Hey, you're listening to the Dangerous Jobs Podcast. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, and I'll be your host as we dive deep into conversations with business owners, safety experts, and boots on the ground from hazardous work sites around the country to learn what it really takes to make safety achievable in dangerous industries. On this show, we love talking about company culture, total worker safety, and greatness in the workplace. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode um, of the Dangerous Jobs podcast. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell, and today I am delighted to have Tyler Treweek with us, who's with Conoco. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm super excited just to kind of our off air conversation about what's new with you, what you're excited about. And I think as safety professionals, you could probably relate to this is that um, there's a lot of trends in our world of like focus points, OSHA sending out their, their, uh, monthly newsletters. Hey, like here's fire safety, here's mental health, here's, you know, some things to focus on. But one trend that I've really seen that has stuck with safety professionals and companies are still a little bit confused about on how to actually implement is the psychological uh, mindset, the mindset piece of safety. And that's what I'm so excited to talk with you about because it sounds like that's totally up your alley and that you're um, spending a lot of time, energy, and focus on it. Is that right? That's 100% correct. So, um, I mean, I'm a strong believer in uh, as far as how to implement, you got to have the background. You got to understand, you got to do your research, what works, what doesn't work. And as per our conversation before this, uh, I'm big into human performance at the moment. It's That's awesome. not very new per se to the industry overall. It was developed by the Department of Energy. Uh, so it's really, really strong in the power side. But uh, most of my experience comes from offshore and on the industrial side and chemical plants, refineries and stuff. And it's not quite as popular there. Um, yeah, I uh, can like, and like I mentioned, I'm uh, friends with Rod Courtney, who just recently authored the book, The Eight Habits of a Highly Effective Safety Culture. Uh, been friends with him a couple years now, and he turned me on to Todd Conklin and his work. So for about the last year, I started studying Todd Conklin, which is uh, a different approach to safety. And it's on that psychological side, mm-hmm. how to approach it. It's a To me, it's a total paradigm shift in the way I think yeah. with safety and what we started doing here is things don't change overnight. I got a team of safety professionals that work for me here that uh, are in the same boat as me. 13 years of experience for me where I was taught one way and now I'm being taught a different way. Yes. So over the last couple of months, I've started doing like a call it a book study yeah. with my team to where we're reading uh, one chapter a week. Uh, the first book was The Five Habits. I mean, um the Five Principles of Human Performance by Todd Conklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read that book, uh, seven chapters, seven weeks with book study, where we met on it every weekly, uh, every week, and during our safety meetings. And as of last week, we started on Rod's book, The Eight Habits of a Highly Effective Safety Culture. Mm-hmm. And everything we're doing with that is to get my team in sync, yeah. uh, thinking the same way, getting our approach aligned to how we approach safety. Oh my gosh, that's just music to my ears. I think you're so right that. 
going back to if you have a safety team, you know, a lot of companies, it's a one man show, maybe one person that's just really trying to push a safety program. Um, and then, but to have a team and to get everybody on the same team. So that way you guys are all mindset wise, pushing the same information out into the field and boots on the ground as probably they're probably getting um, a unanimous message um, that leadership is all on the same page. We're all working towards one goal, one unanimous goal. And so what is sticking with you from that book? The, um, the most recent one that you're reading right now with your team, what's I guess, what's the aha moment for you in that? So we just started on the recent one. That's that's Rod's book, The Eight Habits. Uh, But the number one thing that caught me with Todd Conklin's work and the five principles was human error is normal. We are not perfect beings. Yeah. So my entire career, how many incidents have I investigated where the end result was that employee's fault. Him. Therefore, coach that employee, uh, do maybe a whole safety stand down with everybody. And yeah. uh, that can be perceived as punishment yeah. uh, for one person's error. And it really gets you thinking that's the easy way out. That is the hard part is developing the system, the system that led to that employee making that mistake. Oh, my gosh, so, that's good. Mm-hmm. The number one key fact from the book that I got away with is that if human error is normal, it cannot be a root cause. Mm. That root cause, that human error was a trigger point where your system should have been kicked in because you should have planned for human error in your process. So that was where I was like, wow, that's that was the aha moment for me. Yeah, exactly. It was the aha. I was like, it makes you think. And how just how often I've done in my career, I've done a lot of incident investigations and it was just, all right, employee, not situationally aware, coach employee on situational awareness. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And same here. Not- that, that is, that is how we're brought up. If you're taking any OSHA classes, Teague's classes online, I've, you know, I had my bachelor's in occupational health and safety, like even traditional school systems were taught that. And what an interesting, mind blowing way to think about it is that human error is normal. And so what are you doing? What I hear you saying is how are you building or, or maybe improving your processes and systems to consider that we're all humans and that there's, Hey, there's going to be mess ups. And so I think that that's, I think that's a huge takeaway. And what about what's, what's on your mind with the, with the psychological piece and, um, the human performance piece? I mean, is there something that your team is really excited about there or tell me more about that? Yeah. To sum up that last point, I think it's, uh, one sentence that Todd, again, it's not mine coming from Todd Conklin was, uh, you have to make it safe for your employees to fail. So that kind of sums up that whole previous thought. Um, I've never heard it said that way before. That's really good. I I love it. And that's, uh, it's in my email signatures. I mean, I put it in all my presentations that I do for my work and that's, that's the point is we have to build the systems Mm -hmm. to, to account, to make it safe for employees to fail because we don't live in a perfect world. Mm -hmm. Our employees are not perfect. They will never be perfect. Mm -hmm. Therefore you're wasting your time to try to perfect employees which is where kind of the BBS behavioral based safety kind of stem from that. How do you get your employees to change behavior? 
not saying it's completely wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I, with human performance, I believe the model's better. And that's where I've started to really research and grow uh, and, and take into the human performance approach versus trying to control the employees. Look at our system and, yeah. and make it safe. No, I think that that's a great point. I think it's profound. Uh, I've never, again, I've never heard it spoken like that, where how can we look at our systems and make it, make it safe for employees to fail? Because I think that as a safety professional, and as I'm sure people that you connect with, um, it's probably echoing the same message that safety professionals, we could be spinning our wheels week after week, month after month, and year after year in our profession, wondering how can I achieve zero? How can I get our employees to be perfect? Like this pressure is on me to have zero incidents. And um, so I think that that's where a lot of safety professionals can find themselves in ruts even. And I think that, that the way you framed it, the way that it was framed, um, can just give a new perspective. So I think that that's really cool. What else is on your mind? What else are you excited about right now? Well, I think taking that, that's the most excited thing for me right now. I mean, there's a lot of technology coming out out there that's always exciting. But for me, uh, part of my approach to safety, not along, not, not uh, you know, expanding off of the human performance is mm -hmm. the key thing is you can know everything in 1910, 1926. You can know that book verbatim cover to cover it's worthless if you can't influence people to buy into it oh, yeah um, that's great yeah so again continue on with the psychological safety that is just where i'm at that is uh you know building relationships is key mm -hmm. um the reason i'm here at my company now is my boss uh, tim meyer has the same approach he came from the sales background okay. recognized that our company needed to uh grow and one of his biggest things are to revamp and take our safety program to the next level um, and he recognized relationship building is key to that and when he saw my approach and how keen i was uh, of, you know, treating the janitor the same as if you treat this, as you treat the CEO, gaining that respect from all employees. That way, when you say something, it resonates and not just, oh, it's that guy who's paid to say that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's big. So you have to have your approach and your research and your knowledge, but then you have to adjust your delivery mm -hmm. depending on who you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. And so being adaptive, which comes with, you know, you, uh, there's a bunch of theories out there. Emotional intelligence is one I really like on how to identify what makes somebody click, yeah. uh, what motivates that person, and then adapting your leadership style to that person. Mm -hmm. uh, so I believe uh, I'm not taking it. Field safety is very important. Don't get me wrong, but side, the, that psychological side, that influential, influential side, that's the challenging part. I mean, Anybody can take a piece of paper and check safe, unsafe, uh, safe, at risk, yes, no to an audit. But and that's you. That's right. You cannot talk to anybody, get an audit done, which is proactive safety. We do it here. I'm not taking away from it. Mm -hmm. But the challenging part is that psychological side where how do you get your supervisors to recognize these hazards and to do this before you come? And it's not that. Oh, the safety man's coming today. Let's clean it up. Is how do you get their buy-in? How do you gain their respect and to know that you're there for them? Absolutely. And you know what? So much is resonating there. I mean, that is profound too, is that I love how you frame that. You can be the number one CSP, most knowledgeable, um, know all of your OSHA regs, 
inside and out. But if that knowledge is kept inside your brain and you're the, the safety know-all at the company, that <laughs> is useless still if you are not able to influence those around you. And if you're not able to communicate a message that will inspire others to change and do things differently. And so right. that is such a great message because Two, I mean, I'm a safety professional. I'm a safety nerd. I, I get it. I love digging into regulations. I love learning new programs and uh, new, new, new ways to do things, right? So I love that. But you're right. If I can't communicate on and, and, and inspire, then it's useless because it ends with me. And so the way we connect and build relationships is ultimately how we're going to make a change. So that's awesome. So um, a couple of things there, just questions running through my mind. So say a safety professional is listening and they're like, Tyler, I like what you just said. And what you said makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I have some, I have a department that I'm really struggling with. I have a, you know, maybe a crew or two that just, I'm not... I'm not able to make that impact. I'm, I, there's a tension between us and I just don't know how to get through it. Can you give me some advice on how I can start taking some steps in that direction of influencing and changing? Can you give me some advice there? So right there, uh, that's Rod Courtney's eighth habit. And that is you cannot, and you started to mention this, you can't start and be the end of your safety culture. You yeah. have to get other people involved. Yeah. If you're at a, the larger your company is, the harder it is for you to reach people. So mm -hmm. uh, what Rod talks about is you find your mascot, you find the person who's most influential and you influence that one person, that popular person, that funny person, the one that everybody flocks to. Yes. You go and get on that person's good side. You influence one, they're going to influence 20. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Chain reaction. <laughs> yeah. I'm exploding over here because, um, that's just too funny. If you, anybody who has listened, any true, um, listeners to the podcast who have been listening since like episode one. And I just share my safety story on how I got started in the industry. It is wild that that is now in a book because that was my, um, learn it the hard way technique was, all right, mm -hmm. like I'm young in the industry. I'm never going to have the field experience that these men and women do. Okay. So like that, let's just get that out there, you know, cause I'm thinking, all right, if I had the experience they did, I could, you know, have more, I could have more things to talk about or gain more respect, but I'm like, that's not going to happen for me. So what, what can I control? And what I did was number one, I saw safety cop mentality that needed to go out the window. I knew that didn't work. I saw that that I saw people in the safety world try to strong arm safety. As we all know, that doesn't work. But what I found was that I just found the natural leaders in each industry or not industry, but department at my company that I was working as a safety professional. We had trucking, roustabout, um, the welders, the shop, and I would pick the most influential person who didn't exactly have that title, but they were just, you just knew, you know, everybody loved them. They were the guy and mm -hmm. I would start picking their brain and utilizing them as a resource. Like, Hey, 
I'm having a really hard time with the guys wearing their face shields in the shop. You know, do you have any recommendations, you know, on what I can do here? And, and when I got his buy-in and he was like, Oh, well, yeah, nobody likes these effing shields because they are X, Y, Z. If you get us these ones that actually work and they're actually worth a sh- whatever, then, um, you know, make that happen. So then I did, I bought the face shields everyone wanted. And then he was that secret, um, implementer. He was the one that carried through the program because you're exactly right. Safety can't be about the safety person. And if safety is being implemented and thought about when you're not in the room, that's what the goal is. And so that's pretty awesome. That's yeah. I love that. That's culture. What are your employees doing when you're not there? Exactly. That's your culture. Yeah. And you're, and you're so right. What you said earlier is that when the bigger the company, the harder it is to implement change. Right. So what are some, are there any particular programs that you and um, your safety team have tested and trialed maybe this last year that you, you guys are really excited about um, that you found have been working for your team? Well, with our current situation at my company is um, we had a foundation built uh, when I, whenever I took over, but uh, let's call it a crack foundation, right? There was a lot of disorganization. So we started, it took a year and a half just to get organized, to do a gap yeah. analysis of what we have and don't have. We had 10 years of previous safety uh, managers that had files upon files upon files. And it took us a year just to organize that. Uh, so I've been here two and a half years. So we're really just in the fundamentals. Let's, let's get communication. Let's get how do we share lessons learned? What is the process for submitting an incident report? Like mm-hmm. we're at the bare basics right now and we've come a long way. We've done a lot. We've gotten systems in place and we've communicated that at, uh, out to our employees and things have gotten a lot better. And the key there was relationship building. Yeah. Um, I built, uh, I got my team in line by setting, um, uh, you know, when I came here, I set a vision statement, a mission statement for our department. I developed uh, strategic goals. Uh, I had a safety department improvement plan with a checklist and uh, expected due dates. Uh, Then from there, I built KPIs, key performance indicators that we meet on weekly Mm -hmm. uh, and then project lists. And I just got everything organized. And the KPIs was largely focused on, on relationship building, uh, to have kickoffs with our crew, to, to get kickoffs with our customer and kickoff by that. I mean, just a quick little phone call and say, Hey, before you go out, here's some safety tips. I'm your safety guy. If you need anything, call me. Uh, and so it's just really just fundamentals. It comes back to relationships and everything else has fallen into place over time. Mm -hmm. You can't wave a magic wand and have your, your, your safety, department and program just perfect overnight Mm -hmm. uh back to who to report incidents to i mean how do we track incidents how do we track kappas from those incidents Mm -hmm. um so this human performance is is future right i'm getting my team uh to become subject matter experts on the on the matter but we're not making any changes out to the field yet this is internal to my group my intent is in the future to slowly implement these, these principles into our program. So um, 
anything exciting? No, I mean, we're just building relationships, gaining the trust. And how many times my safety, my, my safety team comes in and say, Hey, this guy pulled me to the side and just laid out this big personal issue for me. And yeah. I mean, it's just, it works. I mean, just, it, it just, it, all you need is the relationships. I mean, even I, if you got just the most basic safety program written out, mm-hmm. build relationships, going back to your example, uh, talking about the most influential person and getting face shields. Uh, you, we will never know that person's job better than them. Absolutely. There's no yeah. Better resource than them. So you have to get their trust, which you did, and they gave you honest feedback. And then you, took that feedback and reinforced it with a change based on their recommendation. Mm -hmm. You made it happen. And that was based off your relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, what's effective. And so, I mean, as far as big new initiatives, yeah, we got drive cameras installed in our fleet. We got uh, a new safety software we're using that tracks analytics, but nothing beats the expectation of my team building relationships with our crews and customers. Oh my gosh. I think it's so refreshing to hear you say, go back to the basics. These things are basic. And the, and, and what I like a theme that I hear you talk about is that this is, you come from an approach of very practical safety. I think that you're right. Again, we could go um, get really excited about new programs or new technology, which I'm all about new programs and new technology. I love that stuff. But you just said it all goes back to relationships because the software sure as heck isn't going to do anything if the if the guys and girls in the field are like, there's no buy-in here. I don't know how to use this. I don't want to use this. I don't even understand the why. And most importantly, I don't even trust the safety person that is trying to shove this down our throats. I don't even, I don't even know what they do all day. There's no relationship there. And so to hear you talk about that being the number one priority as a safety professional, as somebody of influence in a company, if you're looking, what I hear you saying is if you're looking to take your safety program, if you're looking to take your company culture to the next level, improve your relationships this year. And I think that's, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so with the relationship building too, um, have has your company a company the size and I know you have a, a ton of employees in a ton of different divisions um, the mental health side of things where you you, you touched on it um, actually not that long ago of somebody shared with one of your safety professionals, Hey, here's what's on my mind. Like I had this really big challenge. I had this really big struggle that, that obviously was rooted because there was trust there. Right. And so, um, has your company or have you done anything else with the mental health side of things? Um, and your employees, um, I, I've been seeing some mental health first aid toolbox topics or, um, maybe just more gentle um, preliminary conversations around mental health, how important that is. Have you guys done anything like that or anything you'd like to share there? Uh, So as far as that, we have an EAP program. And so mostly what we do on our end is just letting people know resources are there. Yeah. Um, When it comes to that, yes, we build trust with employees, but when someone 
needs professional help, let mm-hmm. the professionals handle it. Mm-hmm. And our yeah. key role in that is to make sure those individuals who we recognize need the help know where the resources are and we make it as easy as possible for them to reach out to those resources. Yeah. Um, it's just, you got to be very careful uh, with, uh, you know, not being trained in that area or being a medical professional and crossing a line. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, if you're a relationship, you talk to somebody like they're your friend and you, and you comfort them, but it's like, you got to be blunt and honest and have that managerial courage to say, look, I think it's time for help. And mm-hmm. here you go. Here's the resources for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice that we can't, we're not the professionals in all thing and in all things and understanding where where to draw that line as far as hey i've 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 helped as much as i could now let's take it to the next step and let's um let's get you connected with a resource that our company provides or maybe it's something that the company doesn't provide here's just some adi- you know additional resources um because certainly we, you're right we don't want to fall in this trap as safety professionals to be the care to, to take care of every single problem you know every single challenge within the organization we can't carry that on our shoulders too we need to think outside of ourselves and be resourceful as well so yeah, no, that's good. And to bring this to an end, Tyler, again, I just can't thank you enough for your time today. I really appreciate all the practical advice that you've given the listeners, but to on a final note, anything else on your mind, anything else uh, kicking off this new year um, or just, yeah, any advice for anybody listening? No, just to kind of tie in everything together. Another thing that Todd Conklin says that sticks out is your employees are not the problem. They're your problem solvers. They know your job. Talk to them, get to know them, listen to them and give them the positive reinforcement. When they tell you something's wrong, make the change happen and say and then go back and reinforce that that change happened because they spoke up. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a lunch or just a simple thank you after the fact, just reinforce that because you spoke up, we were able to make this change happen, which made our company safer thanks to you. Wow. So. Well, something so simple can snowball into that, not only that person trusting you and trusting what the company is going towards and maybe what the safety program is about, but that one person is the ripple effect, right? Hey, you know, if their coworker or if, you know, somebody is maybe um, expressing, if, if a coworker is expressing a challenge to that person, they would maybe encourage them to go talk to you because they spoke up in the past and something was done about it. So you're right. I mean, listening to, I love that. What was that line again? When you, your employees are not the problem, which I think they're the problem solvers. They're the problem <laughs> solvers. And how many times are we taught maybe, um, it's, you know, it's not in textbook, but culture wise, like how many times are we taught as um, supervisors or safety professionals that the employee did something wrong? We were it. There was an incident here. What, how, how did they fail? How did they fail? Figure out, get to the root cause on how they failed. So, I mean, just that mindset alone of they're not the problem, they're the problem solver. I think listening to that, hopefully you'll have a new perspective. Um, That's really, really good. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much, Tyler. Again, I appreciate your time. And what we'll do for everybody listening is we'll link uh, Tyler's information, um, his LinkedIn, just if you are, you know, had any follow-up questions um, regarding some of his philosophies or anything like that, um, you can reach out to, to Tyler professionally. So thank you so much. And thank you thank for you listening. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you.